Hey, it's Mark. Well, I've returned from JP Morgan Healthcare Conference in San Francisco. I'm over my jet lag and back to, well, something resembling a decent night's sleep. Leading into last week's 41st annual JPM, and with ink barely dry on two sizable Q4 deals, many had anticipated a sizable biopharma acquisition or investment to be announced during JPM week. Needless to say, that didn't occur. I'll explore the state of play in biopharma M&A. And on the breaking news front, as you may have read on our site, Wonderman Thompson Health announced a big hire Tuesday, onboarding former Area 23 EVP and Creative Director Renata Maya as their new Global Chief Creative Officer. We'll hear from Renata during the first segment. And of course, Lesh is here with a health policy update. Hey, Mark. Happy to be here today. Bernie Sanders is set to lead the Senate Health Committee starting next month, so I'll be recapping some of his main health policy priorities. And Jack O'Brien, you had such a good time debuting our newest segment, exploring what's trending on healthcare social media, that you're back for another one. What you got for us this week? Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me back again. Today, I've got two things to discuss. TikTok star Remy Bader said that stopping Ozempic made her binge eating get, quote, so much worse. And secondly, a food influencer's chicken salad recipe has helped Weight Watchers create its most popular TikTok video. I'm Mark Iskowitz, Editor-at-Large, and welcome to the MMM Podcast, medical marketing media's show about healthcare marketing writ large. At last week's JPM, one sensed a palpable positivity. Not to speak for the entire life science investment community, but I did get the feeling in conversing with a few people and reading the room that attendees were pleased to be able to gather in person again after two years of meeting virtually. Amidst the back-to-back presentations and scientific reveals, however, one theme seemed to dominate, and that was the state of play in biopharma M&A. Volumes of both M&A and licensing partnerships declined last year. That was due to a confluence of factors from record inflation and a looming recession to the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act and difficult to access public markets. But because perhaps there was decent activity in Q4, I'm speaking about the two sizable deals in the last two months of 22, J&J's $16.6 billion all-cash deal to buy heart pump maker Abiomed in November, and then the year's largest healthcare deal, Amgen's $28 billion acquisition of Horizon Therapeutics in December, there was anticipation that a larger deal or two could be announced at the conference. In that regard, the absence of something bigger than AstraZeneca's purchase of Syncor Pharma for up to $1.8 billion, which was a mere bolt-on deal, to some felt like a disappointment. When will we see the return of so-called real M&A, some are wondering? A little perspective is in order. Yes, JPM is traditionally the starting gun for deal-making in the sector. But M&A tends to take place around 90 to 120 days post-conference, where the event itself serves as the initial discussion point for potential deals, and it takes about a quarter for the diligence and deal-making to actually happen. That brings us to around the April-May timeframe for larger deals catalyzed at JPM to be announced. Meantime, M&A isn't absent, it's just changing shape. The down economy and market has led to a dip in healthcare investing, but alternate sources of capital are emerging and deal models have evolved to single-digit, billion-dollar type bolt-on moves. Indeed, I noticed that a lot of biopharm execs, when asked about capital allocation during investor presentations, touted their willingness to do those quote-unquote tuck-in deals. As to whether a rebound in biopharma buyouts may be in store for 2023, Concerning all the aforementioned downward pressures, it just makes sense as Big Pharma needs deals to fuel growth. But only time will tell. On the marketing front, yesterday, MMM broke the news that Renata Maya has left IPG Health's Area 23 to become Global Chief Creative Officer at Wonderman Thompson Health, a new role. 
Maya, previously EVP Group Creative Director at Area 23, will report to Patrick Wisdom, Global CEO of Wonderman Thompson Health, as well as to two global CCOs at mainstream shop Wonderman Thompson, Boss Corsten and Daniel Bonner. She represents the first big hire for Wisdom, who took over the CEO reins last year after the retirement of former Chief Executive Becky Chittister, and Wisdom is set to mark a year in his position in the second quarter. Wonderman Thompson Health won three silvers at last year's M&M Awards, and uh, the agency was also rated by employees as one of the best places to work in healthcare advertising last year. Here's Maya talking about her goals for augmenting WTH's creative. If you want to really explore creativity, I think the secret is that you let the people that work for you shine, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and expand and, you know, and let them flourish and believe, you know, and believe in the creative and believe and believe that everybody has a voice. And, and I'm telling you, it is about, right, it is about everybody um, coming together, including clients, to do something that has never done before. Lesh is up next with a health policy update. Health policy update with Lesha Bouchak. Bernie Sanders is set to lead the Senate Health, Education, Labor and Pensions or HELP committee beginning in February. He'll be heading a committee that's historically had quite a bit of influence on policy, and he's hoping to use his considerable public profile to push for reduced health care costs. Sanders has been a strong proponent of a Medicare for All style system in the U.S. that would establish universal health care. He's also been sharply critical of the business practices of the pharma industry. In a New Year's video, Sanders laid out the broader foundation of his plans in the role, specifically calling out a, quote, cruel and dysfunctional healthcare system that he said prioritizes profit for insurance and drug companies over healthcare for ordinary people. We are living in a country today where drug companies are making huge profits while people split their life-saving pills in half because they can't afford them. But rather than focusing on universal health care, as many might have imagined, Sanders instead said that more drug pricing regulation will be the top priority on his list. He said the measures put in place in the Inflation Reduction Act, which gave Medicare the power to negotiate the prices of certain drugs, simply aren't enough. He also stressed the importance of pursuing bipartisan policies that will work to reduce those prescription drug costs. The pharma industry and lobbyists representing insurers and health systems are likely not going to be happy about more drug pricing regulation efforts and are preparing lobbying counterattacks. But Sanders right now seems fairly confident that he'll find bipartisan pathways to achieve some of those goals. I'm Lesha Bouchak, senior reporter at MMM. Thanks, Lesha. I'm now pleased to bring back our colleague Jack O'Brien to give us an update on what's trending on healthcare social media. Social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, social media update. Hey, Jack. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me back on the show. Uh, two things, as I noted in our introduction. In an interview last week, TikTok star Remy Bader said that stopping Ozempic made her binge eating get, quote, so much worse. Bader says she went on the medication for, quote, actual health issues shortly after it was approved by the FDA. 
Now that the drug has gained popularity on social media, TikTok in particular, as a weight loss hack, many like Bader are struggling to gain access to the drug and use it for its intended purpose, which I know is something that ties into your experience at JPM last week, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, um, thank you. During the presentation from Eli Lilly, uh, their chief science officer, Daniel Skowronski, um, actually was asked about duration of therapy, you know, for some of the new um, or their new obesity medication. They're trying to get an obesity indication for trizepatide, which was, of course, approved as Manjaro last year for type 2 obesity, type 2 diabetes, excuse me. Um, and his response was that uh, patient experience, you know, is really important in this category. This is a chronic disease um, that's um, not going to go away on its own. And um, that uh, presupposes a long duration of therapy. Uh, but he made a comment that I thought was interesting, you know, given that patient experience is so crucial and that these GLP-1 uh, drugs have the effect of curbing hunger, he expects patients to experiment on going on the drug. Um, and then when they've kind of achieved a weight loss that they're happy with, stopping therapy until those hunger pangs come back and then restarting therapy, uh, which was sounded interesting and, and um, a little bit um, different than, than, than what I've heard from some other sources in terms of uh, the need to stay on therapy pretty much, you know, for the rest of their lives. Otherwise, they're going to boomerang and wait, you know, patients are. So just something uh, to an interesting insight into how Lily is expecting its, uh, you know, demand for these drugs to play out. Absolutely. And I, I get the sense that Bader is probably not the only one dealing with that sort of uh, situation. But when you have 290,000 followers on one of the biggest social media apps in the world, it certainly brings attention to something greater. On a lighter note, just to end off uh, on my segment, our colleagues at PR Week covered the story of Nish Godfrey, a food influencer with more than 200,000 followers on TikTok. And she has a really interesting story of how she came to be uh, on Weight Watchers radar. In August, she posted a TikTok of a chicken salad that she had in Cleveland, and it quickly went viral on the app. Weight Watchers reached out after sharing the video on their channel and flew Godfrey to a company test kitchen in New York to make the salad for them. After asking her to document her journey on social media, Weight Watchers also added Godfrey's recipe to its app and provided a code for its consumers for $10 off. So this is kind of an interesting situation. I kind of want to get your take, Mark, because you've obviously covered this space for so long and are continuing to do so as we see more changes in the weight loss space. But the, the idea that Weight Watchers as a brand you know, looked at this influencer said, this is a win-win situation for both of us. You get more, you know, pub for your chicken salad recipe and for your own brand itself, but also, you know, Weight Watchers been around for, you know, decades at this point mm -hmm. in the face of other challengers who are weight loss companies or have different medications or whatever are able to get their cloud up too. It's an interesting situation that, you know, they both kind of had a win-win there. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's good to see, you know, Weight Watchers, which as you says, has existed for years. You know, the question that I would have is how does an organization that's a legitimate one like that exist in a social media driven dieting world, you know, where we see them kind of inhabiting this interesting space between the new crop of diabetes and uh, obesity medications, which we just discussed with semaglutide and now uh, terzepatide, um, on one end, and then the myths and mis misconceptions um, on the other end, you know, and patients wasting billions of dollars on fad diets that have been proven ineffective, which a lot of, which some say is curtailing the uptake, you know, of, of proven interventions, not just with the GLP ones, but with older, older medications like Xenical and so forth, which do have 5% weight loss, you know, which is not as good as some of the newer ones, you know, which are on the order of barometric, bariatric surgery, excuse me. Uh, but, but they are, you know, considered legitimate. And, um, 
some say that the the clinical uh, the medical community um, has to you know kind of uh, get in line with um, you know the uh, evidence base around some of these new medications in order to kind of wean patients off of these fad diets, which don't work and, and, and to more legitimate um, interventions and, and Weight Watchers, you know, it's good to see them staying relevant, you know, engaging in a nice partnership with Godfrey. Um, and as you put it, a win-win. And a chicken salad recipe for all, which I think we can all get behind. Chicken salad, diabetes, social media. That's a good note to end on. We'll see you next week, everybody. That's it for this week. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up. Better yet, subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice and help others discover the show. The MMNM Podcast is produced by Bill Fitzpatrick, Deborah Stahl, Bradley Weems, and Gordon Failer. Our theme music is by Sizzy M. Sohn. We're out every week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.